Hello everyone, this is Andre, the co-founder of Twins Tours and Travel in Jerusalem in Israel, born into a Christian Maronite family, and I'm a licensed tour guide and an ordained minister of the gospel. I have been leading numerous groups throughout the Holy Land for almost 20 years. Also, I'm an author of several books, and you can find them in Amazon. And one of the first books I wrote called One Friday in Jerusalem speaks about my life story. So join me for a journey of 10 days to understand the heart and the mind of Jesus and to understand the Bible in a deeper way with more details through the Middle Eastern perspective. Please share this podcast with your friends and families and churches and connect with me if you have any questions. We are in day three and we are leaving Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls, by the bus after lunch and we are heading to a place called Qasr al-Yahud, Bethany of Jordan. And we're going to speak about the ministry of John the Baptist. And today we're going to talk about desert spirituality. So I will use this time driving from Qumran all the way through the Jordan Valley, through road number 90, which is around 30 minutes to the baptismal site. And I will use my time to teach about desert spirituality. Desert in Hebrew means midbar. Mim, dalet, bet, resh. And the original root letter, always in Hebrew, there are root letters either three letters or four letters and it's very simple any question the group will ask me about the bible it's very simple i'll go back to hebrew to the root letter for example if you want to learn about the life in the wilderness we have to go all the way back to the root letter of midbar the root letter come from three letters dalet vav resh which means davir dalet like door vav which is bet like uh, book and reish is like uh, run dalet bet reish davar davar or le daber or the root dabar means to talk literally the desert midbar in hebrew means to talk and we're going to speak about life in the desert and with whom you're going to talk in the desert. There's not much people in the desert and it's not crowded like big cities. So you talk with God in the desert. You talk with your creator. And when I speak about the desert, many people in the West will think about the desert like the Sahara Desert with a lot of sand, dunes, and like wind blowing. That's not precise. And they will think about the Lawrence of Arabia. And he was a, a British officer, and he was a writer, and he was during the First World War in the Middle East, and he was witnessing the, a lot of revolts, especially in Sinai and Palestine during the Turkish Empire. So that's what you have impression in your mind is like uh, Lawrence of Arabia and camels and tents. Now there's kind of truth in that, the desert, but 
it is not a sand dune desert it's a rocky desert and let me explain for you more about life in the desert or life in the wilderness in the middle eastern way of thinking in the desert life is so simple it's not complicated we make our life so much hard but it should be much more simple like what we are living nowadays of the coronavirus people are distracted from other people social distance far away from each others that was similar to life in the desert when you live in the desert you live in the present reality why you live in the moment in the desert because you cannot know what's coming ahead in front of you because all the desert look the same so you can think about only the moment how to live the same thing like coronavirus today people can't much think about the future because they don't know the future so try to live in the moment it's about now because you can't think what's gonna happen tomorrow or you can't think forward in advance so when you live in the moment in the desert what happens to you you trust God and you will live under his presence and today the subject is Bethany of Jordan we're gonna speak about John the Baptist later on and this is why I'm giving you an introduction and a background because you live under God reality new reality you have to trust him in the desert because in the desert you walk by faith and not only by sight you get isolated from all the sins of the world in the desert you get to contemplate on your goals and you contemplate on yourself and lesser of you and you surrender everything to the living God in the desert. And this is what's happening with so many believers all over the world nowadays. With this virus spreading, they're just getting back to themselves, conquering their own demons, and trying to connect with their Creator to know their purpose in life. As if, like during the coronavirus, everything like stopped. That's like the desert. Everything stops there. It does not move. And you start to understand and learn about your identity. And I'm going to make a comparison. The desert is very quiet. Complete silence. Can you be complete silent in your life and quiet? I encourage you to take 30 minutes every day to be quiet and silent, to discover yourself and identity and purpose. That's what happened in the desert. But I tell you, it's very hard in the Western culture for people to stand still and be quiet. The simplicity of life is a key to understand who you are. And we are aware that in the States now, people are not used to that. There is a less supplies in food, less supplies in abundance. I encourage you. That's okay. That's fine. In the East, we 
experience this all the time, wars we have all the time here. But what we can learn from the desert, the simplicity in life is a key. The more simple you are, the more you can understand your calling in life. And that's what the desert leads you to. Discover your identity. Now let's talk more about the desert characteristics. We know it's very hot in the desert. There's not much water. You know, during touring so many times in Qumran and the area of the Dead Sea, I have so many stories how people dehydrated. And especially in August and July, it's very hot here in summertime. It can reach 120 Fahrenheit. And really, it's very hard to survive in the desert with no water. You know, most scholars say you cannot live more than two weeks if you do not have water in the desert. And people are not used to this harsh environment. It's a tough environment. And not everyone can handle the desert unless you have a calling on your life. More characteristics of the desert. The desert is a refuge. And I want to tell you, this refuge is not easy too. There's a lot of snakes in the desert, scorpions, jackals, foxes, vipers, wild animals at night. And it's very cold at night, despite it's a lot of heat in the morning, but it's very cold at night. So it's a harsh environment, not made for everyone. Unless... If you have a calling in your life, you can survive hard environment. And no landmarks in the desert, no signs. Everything looks alike and everything is the same. So you have to hear God's voice, talk to him, to receive instructions, to receive directions, and to receive guidance. Instructions, directions, and guidance. This is how Moses when he received Torah on Mount Sinai by the finger of God. The finger of God means the Spirit of the Lord. He received instructions, he received directions, and he received guidance in his life. Instructions how to build the tabernacles in precise, precise measurements. Guidance. Remember, he was guided all the way with the Holy Spirit from one place to another. And he received directions. Direction where to take the Jewish people next and how to enter to the promised land, to the house of rest. And when Jesus was in the Judean desert here, he had instructions, directions, and guidance to people. Even John the Baptist, which we're going to talk about his ministry, he received instructions and guidance and directions to speak about the kingdom of heaven coming in the future. Let me share with you more characteristics about the desert. In the desert, you feel small and powerless. You feel nothing in the desert. You will be in touch with the fragility of the desert. And you will, your life will become so scared. Your life will become so weak. And you discover that there are forces above your standards. And that there are things that you can't control in your life. The aim of the desert is to set you free. 
because we like to control things. We like to give orders. We like to be a boss. But in the desert, you don't depend on yourself. You depend on your creator. And this is how in the desert your identity is formed. So I want to encourage you when you feel weak, especially nowadays what's happening, you're out of control, you don't know the future, to learn and to trust God totally. Because it's an austere environment. And only then, when you surrender everything, you start to rely on God's provision on your life. And I want to tell you, in the desert, is not about you. In the desert, it's all about the community and not the individual. You cannot function alone in the desert. You will not be able to survive. This is a lesson. Do not function alone. You need a community. You need a family. Why you need a family and a community? Because it's vital. It's like in ancient times with Moses going out of Egypt, he had a community with him. He had a a tribe. Sorry. He had a family. It brings things alive. You can work together as a community and you can survive in harsh places because you're not alone. You're not passing through these hardships alone. It's really a mutual labor in the desert and it needs an effort to connect with others because in the desert it's like ups and downs and in your mindset i mindset in your mind if you imagine the desert it hills ups and downs right one time up one time down it goes ups and downs this is like life goes up and down and if you trust god he will always lead you to the springs to the water because when everything looks the same you don't know where to go you just trust more god and hear from him remember we said the desert to hear midbar to talk with god and hear him because we can't see god in the desert just we walk by faith and we hear his voice he talks to us so he will lead us to the living water despite everything is the same but he still leads us to life and the living water is in the desert despite it's so tough and harsh and if you look really so deep into your life even if your life is hard and tough nowadays but if you look so deep inside you're gonna see wells and rivers of running water and no wonder why Jesus said in the desert I am the living water so the desert is like images that talks to the souls It's like stories that touch your hearts. These are parables, images that talks to your spirit, but not pure theology. You can't teach pure theology in the desert. You have to teach a life experience in the desert. And this is what we learn from the life and the ministry of John the Baptist. 
We are approaching to the area called Qasr al-Yahud, which is the baptismal site. Qasr al-Yahud literally means the palace of the Jews. And there is an ancient Greek Orthodox monastery there. So they called it the, a palace and they said this is the palace for the Jews. So this way it's called Qasr al-Yahud, which we know today is in the Bible Bethany of Jordan. And this site used to be closed, but 20 years ago they like uh, so many tour guides were coming to the site and i remember i used to go there i have to call the army and the army have to come uh, like after half an hour and uh, with the special forces the idf forces and they come specially to open the gate to go all the way down to the jordan river and why they do that because it used to be an army base and it's the borders between Jordan and Israel and there were planted 3,000 mines so you're gonna see when we are driving inside and we are arriving to a square box and to the left side inside the square box there is an army soldier that is sitting inside he will ask us what are you coming here what you're doing and how many people and where they are from so we used to report everything for him and enter. Nowadays, it belongs to the Israeli government decided to make it a national park and it's easier nowadays and it's opened all the time. And there's signs everywhere. If you look to the left side and to the right side, you see a square triangle, yellow color. And inside that square, there is another triangle, a red color, and it's called be aware of the mines. So today they cleared all the mines here and it's been open the last 11 years and we can see many groups coming here and especially Greek Orthodox groups and Catholic groups come to this site because it's more genuine and it looks more the area of the Bethany of Jordan, what the Bible talks about and it gives us a much clear idea about the ministry of John. So as soon as we arrive, I'll tell the group to go to use the toilets and after they use the toilets, we, I'll find a place with shade and I will start explaining about the ministry of John the Baptist. And I just laid the foundation of the desert spirituality, but now I'm going to do the teaching related to the spirit of the desert with, with John the Baptist. All the group is seated and now they're seeing the Jordan River. So I'm going to speak a little bit background about this river. Jordan come also from Arab, Aramaic and Hebrew. River Jordan means Yored. Yarden. Den. Yored means coming down. And this river come down all the way up from the northern Golan Heights and Lebanon and Syria and Jordan all the way down south. It's around 150 miles, and there are six sources of the Jordan River. Two from Lebanon, Nakhal Ayun, which is a village in Lebanon in the north called Marjayun, and it's a southern Lebanese village. And then Hasbani, Hasbani, or in Hebrew, Sneer, Nakhal Sneer, that comes from the foot of Mount Hermon in Lebanon. And then we have another two rivers, Dan which come also from the area of Syria and the tribe of Dan in the Golan Heights. And then we have Banias. And Banias also at the foot of Mount Hermon, another river is source that come from Syria. Then there's a, another two rivers that form the Jordan River. The Yarmouk, 
which forms the border between Syria and Jordan, and that comes from Jordan, the Yarmouk River, and Al-Zarqa River, coming from East Jordan. And all these six sources form the Jordan River, and the Jordan River enters the Sea of Galilee and then exits the Sea of Galilee all the way down south to the area of the Dead Sea and to the area where we are just standing right now and looking. And so that is the vicinity and what you see is the playground of John. And in order to speak about the ministry of John, we have to go back to his name. And I want you to understand that John is not his real name. We know his original name is Yohanan. And remember I told you we need to know Hebrew. If you understand Hebrew language, you understand the meaning of John or Yohanan or his ministry. It's so simple. Yohanan comes from the Hebrew word Lechanin. Lechanin means to have mercy, to have like uh, compassion or Literally more than that, lechanin in Aramaic means someone that is preparing a way for someone else come to have compassion, to have mercy. So lechanin, Yohanan, is the one who prepares the way for a Messiah. So his name is his identity. His name is his calling and his name is his ministry. And I want to ask you a question. Why do John, as a prophet, is ministering in the wilderness? Why in the wilderness? Because if you're a normal prophet, you should minister in the city where the people are. Remember we said in the wilderness, there's no one there. But why in the wilderness? The wilderness is so rugged and is so tough as we learned especially the Judean wilderness and it's a lot of canyons and a lot of hills and valleys as you see and the climate is extreme and it's like not much rainfall here in the wilderness so why John the Baptist is in the wilderness and I want to stretch you a little bit more also David head from King Saul in the wilderness. Why did he find a refuge in the wilderness, King David? Because in the wilderness, your identity is formed. When you go through harsh places in your life, this is where you mature. And remember, Moses was in the wilderness. Joseph was in the wilderness. Prophet Jeremiah in the wilderness. Prophet Isaiah. Prophet Elijah. Jesus himself was in the wilderness. So it is important. So I have good news for you. If you're in the wilderness in your life, your identity will be formed and your calling in life will be released. And here is John in the wilderness calling people to repent and turn to God. So his mission was to bring back or turn people around just to call for God and how you can call for God and you, how you can turn to God by repentance. So the people of Israel need to repent. And this is what was the ministry of John, calling the people to repent. And as a result of repentance, they will see God. So he was doing that in the wilderness of Judea. And we know so many people were coming to him. We know high priests from the temple 
So the temple was so much corrupt in Jerusalem came all the way down to the Jordan Valley to meet with this prophet. Let us read from scripture. Luke chapter 3 from verses 3, 1 to 4. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilatus was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrach of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrach of Etria and Tachnotius and Lysanias, Tetrach of Abilene. And by the way, we are speaking about between 26 to 36 AD. And this is, we know that Pontius Pilatus ruled during that area and that time. And during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. Remember, Annas and Caiaphas were so much corrupt. And this is why you needed a prophet in the wilderness. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So why people come to listen to John in the wilderness? Because they are repenting and as a result of repentance, they get their forgiveness of sins. So John was not baptizing the people as you know in the Western mindset. He just was a witness. You don't need to put and baptize someone. We know so much about baptism in the first century. They come to the water just to repent. And as a repentance, they get self-baptism. You know, we know so much today about the Essenes. We just came from the area of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And this is how we know how you get baptized in the first century. You open your eyes, you open your mouth, you open your fingers, your toes, and... You speak how your life changed and you want to repent and to go back to God. And you go down three times under the running water. And then there is a witness that are seeing and hearing how your life changed. And you go out refreshed and forgiven. And this is what John was doing in the wilderness in the first century. He was witnessing people repenting back the only thing John the baptizer that baptist baptist so from greek and with all respect to all the denominations is later understanding of the fourth century when emperor constantine made a law that he wanted to count how many people became from romans became christians before entering the church he allowed them to be baptized so baptism is different mindset of the fourth century and the western mind is inheritance of the roman way of thinking so in the first century it's way hebraic different it's much more personal and it's not much in the church to see or show how people are getting baptized it's a sign just to be different than what we think anyway so here is John in the wilderness and again to my main point why is John in that location remember I told you the wilderness is about your identity and about your destiny John is fulfilling the prophetic ministry of his life of preparing the way for what for the Messiah himself to show up. 
So John was doing only his calling in life. And he done that in the wilderness, in the desert. Me and you should do our calling in your life and in my life and to know our destiny. And every person was born for a reason. And you will discover this reason when you are alone in the wilderness, in tough places where you can conquer your own demons, a demon by demon when you have time and build them up and to get over them and to get healed. So that what the desert do to you. And, and John <laughs> discovered his identity. He discovered his destiny and he was fulfilling the words in Isaiah chapter 40 from verse three to five. Look what he was fulfilling, his calling in life. Let me read it for you. Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 5. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. You see, it's all about prophecies in the desert. And the key verse is 5. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, John is fulfilling Isaiah's words in his ministry. Isaiah says, in the desert, the Messiah will come. And this is why John was in the desert. His name is to prepare the way for the Messiah to show up, messianic expectations. And guess what happens next? Who's coming out? The Messiah. And look what's written in Luke chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. I don't know if you understand this verse. Look what Jesus said. I can explain it in the Middle Eastern way of thinking. Let it be so now. It's the present reality. John, Jesus telling John, this is the moment. This is your destiny is at that moment connecting with the Messiah, his destiny to release the identity of the world, to fulfill all righteousness. And in other words, in a local language, Jesus is telling John, good job. You are doing great, John. This is exactly where you should be. And like John saying, you're coming to me. John is so much humbled. But because John has been obedient to God's word in the desert, and this is where he is supposed to be exactly, his destiny was released and finished by Jesus showing up. And look, verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, of course, John was witnessing the baptism. That's not the original translation. He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. 
And the voice from heaven said, This is my son, who I love with him. I am well pleased. Now, this is a revelation. Let me explain this verse. This is a revelation from the Father to the Son through the Holy Spirit to release Jesus for his ministry. And that's a personal encouragement from the Father to the Son for Jesus to move forward. Let us read again verse 15. Jesus replied, let it be so now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness then john consented now what does it mean to fulfill all righteousness and a question related to the point if jesus was without sin why does he need to be baptized what does it mean to do this in righteousness sake jesus was without sin why he has to be baptized why he have to go yes many people will tell me just to be an example for others yes i want to go a deeper level and in the old hebrew language righteousness means the restoration of god redemptive activity when Jesus got baptized, that moment, the power of the kingdom of heaven has released from heavens down to earth. I say this place, I call it open heavens. And this is where heavens opened and met one on earth through Jesus Christ with the voice of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom of heaven is released. It's a healing place. And this is where Jesus started his healing ministry. Do you know that today, only today, geologists confirms that this is the lowest place on earth, where the Jordan River, the Bethany of Jordan, where we are, where it enters to the Dead Sea is the biggest crack of the face of the universe it's like 4000 miles all the way from mozambique in the south africa all the way up to the north to mountains of ararat the deepest point of this crack is where jesus got baptized he want to bring jesus or righteousness he want to bring the plan of humanity for salvation to the world and he want to heal this universe neil armstrong the first american who was on the moon they asked him a question when he came back from the moon what what is the first thing that grabbed your attention when you looked from the moon down to earth you know what was his answer the great african rift valley so this is the biggest crack on the face of the earth that Jesus had sent his son to heal this world. And Jesus went through his baptism and us being baptized into him to be healed from all the wounds in our hearts and the cracks in our hearts, metaphorically. And this is when it will happen, when we are in the wilderness where our identity is to be formed. Remember that Joshua and the Jewish people had entered to the promised land from this area too. This is where 
They entered the house of rest where their identity was formed finally. They were in the desert for so many years, in harsh places, for discipline, for really they can make the trip only in two weeks. It took them like so many years. By the way, 40 in Hebrew means harbe. Four means arba. Harbe is very similar to many. So we can't know exactly it's 40 years, it's many years. It's mistranslated from the Greek, but original Hebrew it means many years they were in the desert. But the aim of God is to find our identity, to have discipline. And when we have discipline, we become responsible. When we become responsible, revelation took place. That is the life in the desert. John the Baptist just really was in the desert in harsh places to find his identity he had discipline and then became responsible and then revelation jesus showed up in our lives the same thing god wants us to enter the house of rest but we have to be like the jewish people in the desert for so many years to have discipline in our life it's not name it and claim it it's not like a there should be suffering in our life and should be disciplined to appreciate the house of rest and after discipline, we become responsible. And after responsibility, revelation, entering the house of rest. And that's what happened with the Jewish people. Revelation took place and they entered through the same area of the Jordan River where we are looking at, enter the house of rest, the promised land. And also the same area is where prophet Elijah went all the way with the chariots of fire all the way up to heavens and prophet Elisha followed him and got the anointing from him so this is what I call open heavens so what we learn here it's okay with you if you're in the desert but the key do not stay long time in the desert because if you stay long time in the desert you will become unhealthy you will become thirsty and and the first opportunity you have to go out of the desert please go out because after the desert there is graduation after jesus was in the desert he just saved humanity he was on the cross after john the baptist was in the desert he was beheaded yes but his identity was released jesus showed up because john the baptist was teaching about the kingdom of heaven coming in the future and his role got redeemed completely by Jesus showing up after the desert, the Jewish people entered the house of rest. So after the desert, there is always graduation. After the desert, your destiny is released. So by teaching all this background, I can see the people are getting tired because it's a lot of heat here. So I tell them take just 20 minutes and be in the bus because we have a drive all the way, all the way through the Jordan Valley, heading all the way up to Nazareth to stay for two nights in Nazareth. The group is arriving to the hotel and we are checking in for two nights in Nazareth. It's been a long drive, like one and a half hour, and everyone is tired and they are going to dinner now. And then we're going to start tomorrow with day number four and we're going to speak about the childhood of Jesus in Nazareth.